0: Welcome back to The Naked Truth. Peace to you. We have made it to the book of Joshua. That's the sixth book in the Old Testament, sixth book in the Bible as total. We're up to chapter 9. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. And it came to pass when all the kings who were on this side of the Jordan, in the hills and in the lowland, and in all the coasts of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite heard about it. So let's take it bit by bit. So it's talking about the congregation has made it from the east side of the Jordan in what's um, around the area of modern day country Jordan. They've crossed the river Jordan by miracles. The water parting just like it parted in the um, Exodus narrative when they left enslavement in Egypt and the water parted the Red Sea. Now the Jordan has parted for them to cross over that on foot. Um, Rather than just let them come up on the west side of it, of the river, instead they went all the way around it to, uh, like I said, the east side of it. And now they've crossed it uh, with the um, supernatural miracle of the water parting for them. And so they've crossed over the river. They're on the west side of the Jordan now in what's modern day Israel or Palestine, whichever you prefer. And it used to be called Canaan and it's east of the Mediterranean Sea. That's what they're talking about when it says the Great Sea. And then all those Hittites, Amorites and so on and so forth are the different nations of people who already lived in that area before the children of Israel got there to um, claim it for themselves. Um, verse 2, that they gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel on accord. So all those people who were already there in the land before they got there decided to join forces and fight against them, not just let them get to their land and take it. Verse 3, but when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, so part one of the areas of uh, the west side are occupied by the... Um, uh, in an area called Gibeon, and they're the Gibeonites, and they've heard the reputation of the um conquests of the congregation as they've made their way from enslavement to what's called the promised land. So what do they do? Verse four? They worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors, and they took old sacks on on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended. So they're um, doing theater, just like you see theater and politics in modern times. They're doing theater, theatrics, antics to um, help fool or uh, make their case more convincing uh, when they go and approach the congregation um, for a reason. Verse five, uh, continue with what they took old and parched sandals on their feet. I'm sorry, old and patched sandals on their feet. And old garments on themselves and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. So they've um, taken uh, raggedy and type clothes and dry and moldy bread with them. But it's for a reason. Verse six. And they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, We've come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. So they've um, gone with those um, um, props so that's what you use in theater, the moldy bread and so forth. And they've approached the leader of the congregation. That's Joshua. He's taking the place of Moses at this point in the story. Moses died at the um, um, already. And previously in the book we read in Deuteronomy, he's already passed away. And Joshua is taking his place as the leader. So that's who they're negotiating with. And what they're negotiating with, um, negotiating is a peace treaty that's what the covenant is they're seeking verse 7 then the men of israel said to the hivites perhaps you dwell among us so how can we make a covenant with you so some of the people in the congregation were kind of suspicious Of um, it says the hivites even though they were they it said they were from gibeon um so but that's who they are apparently and they were um so they were suspicious of the covenant the peace treaty that they were seeking verse 8 but they said to joshua your servants and Joshua said to them well who are you and where do you come from so if you're reading along with me you can see what it says i'm not his servant that's why i didn't read it as it is out loud but you can read what it says they're saying that they're his servants but basically submitting themselves to Joshua and um he's saying he doesn't recognize who they are and where they're from verse 9 so they said to him From a very far country your servants have come, because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard of his fame, and all that he did in Egypt. So, the Lord is still being translated from the name Jehovah at this point, I believe. Let me just double check. And... um. I'm using the blueletterbible.org website uh, to see the translations just in case you're curious and would like to see for yourself. God here, capital G, is being translated from the word Elohim, and we've seen where that's not always the case, but that's what it is at this point so far in the narrative. So they're saying they've heard of the fame of the deity that they worship and um, the um, um, miracles that were performed to Emancipate them from slavery when they were in Egypt. Verse 10. So they're using flattery. They're flattering their deity, their God. Uh, Verse 10. And all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who is at so as always, please forgive me if I mispronounce any of these, they're saying they've heard the um, about the victory that was given to them with the other people, other nations on the east side of the Jordan before they crossed over the river. And so their fame has spread to the west, um, is the, what they're saying to Joshua. More flattery, verse 11, therefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us saying, Take provisions with you for the journey and go to meet them and say to them, your servants now therefore make a covenant with us. So they're saying that their own people told them to get provisions uh, for the trip and head over to meet the congregation and submit to them and let them know they're their servants and to seek that peace treaty before they get there verse 12 this bread of ours we took hot for our provision from our houses on the day we departed to come to you but now look it is dry and moldy so now they're presenting the props that they took along with them the moldy bread for instance uh for starters verse 13 and these wine skins which we filled were new and see they're torn and these our garments and our sandals become old because of the long journey so now they're presenting the other props the raggedy clothes and the torn up shoes to say to pretend like they've traveled a really long distance to get to them to meet them with that seeking conditions of peace verse 14 then the men of israel took some of their provisions but they did not ask counsel of the lord so um before uh, in taking the provisions that's almost like um, agreeing to the peace treaty Uh, and it says specifically that they did not ask counsel of the Lord but if you remember when we read previous uh, chapters and previous books of the Bible for instance uh, they didn't always seek the um, um, counsel from the Lord then either and it usually didn't turn out so good for instance when Moses decided to uh, appoint judges to help Um, decide the cases with the people he consulted uh, another person Jethro according to the narrative his father-in-law and his father-in-law told him to select elders and other people who are um, notable or nobles and let them be judges and he went on with that in that and um we didn't consult the lord either then no prayer or anything like that at least not in the narrative and you see what's happened since then Right after that, that's when all those statutes and ordinances popped up. When Moses went up on the mountain for those 40 days twice, both times he came back with just the Ten Commandments, not all those statutes and ordinances. So it seems to me that's one more sign that all those other things, maybe not all of them, but a whole lot of those other things, the dogma that was added on to the Ten Commandments and um, attributed to Moses was almost certainly like jesus says not from moses but from the fathers jesus says that about circumcision and jesus uh, gives a different take on how christians are to approach divorce also even though what's called the laws of moses say otherwise the statutes and ordinances are very different in the old testament and jesus gives us christians a different way to approach different subjects even though they're all in the bible verse 15 so joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live and the rulers of the congregation swore to them so um they didn't consult uh the deity the lord i'm just going to say the lord since that's how it's written and um they made an agreement they agreed to the peace treaty and um not just joshua the leader but all the elders with him the other leaders Verse 16, and it happened at the end of three days after they had made a covenant with them that they heard that they were their neighbors who dwelt near them. So after three days, they found out the truth that they hadn't come from some long distance journey. Instead, they were just a few days away um, and apparently fooled them. Verse 17, then the children of Israel journeyed and came to their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeah, Shephira, Beeroth, and Krijet-Jerim so they made it to the area the cities where the people who were seeking the peace treaty uh were actually from not some far away land and they because they got there in three days verse 18 but the children of israel did not attack them because the rulers of the congregation had sworn to them by the lord god of israel and all the congregation complained against the rulers so the rulers are calling the shots And the congregation has picked up on the fact that the rulers got it wrong. And so they're um, grumbling again against the rulers because the rulers didn't seek, uh, the religious leaders didn't seek guidance from God. They made the agreement sort of presumptuously. Verse 19, then all the rulers said to all the congregation, we've sworn to them by the lord god of israel now therefore we may not touch them so because they made a a promise an oath a contract swore a peace treaty to them that they wouldn't hurt them they're saying they're bound by their oath but that if you're a christian you know that contradicts what jesus says about oaths he tells us and Matthew 5:37, let our yes be yes and our no, no. And to not make oaths and swear at all, because anything more than yes or no is from the evil one. I'm paraphrasing there, but that is the same chapter and verse, if you want to look at it yourself. So that's another contradiction that you see that is done in the Old Testament. But Jesus lets us know that's not what Christians are supposed to do. Verse 20, this we will do to them. We will let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath which we swore to them. So they're saying, well, um, they got it wrong. They fooled them, but they did go ahead and promise that they wouldn't hurt them. So they aren't going to do anything. They aren't going to harm them, even though they duped them. Verse 21, and the rulers said to them, let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers for all the congregation as the rulers had promised them. So they're saying, well, they'll let them live, but they're basically gonna enslave them. And that's a strange thing coming from people who were just rescued from slavery, Uh, centuries of enslavement almost certainly because they were in Africa for 400 plus years. And at the end of that, they had become enslaved. They didn't start out that way, not all of them, but they ended up that way and they were rescued from it And emancipated by all those wonders in the book of Exodus, and yet now they're uh, willing to enslave other people. And we've read previously that that's something that they were told uh, uh, according to the narrative by the Lord, um, but it doesn't really make sense to me. Why would the Lord go through the trouble of uh in of emancipating one set of people then turning around and telling them that it's okay to enslave other people and even treat them as property that you pass down to your descendants and we read that also um so if that's the lord god almighty which i don't believe it is i think it's just like jesus says it's from the fathers it's the forefathers who came up with a whole lot of that dogma But if you do believe it's from God Almighty, then you'd have to also believe that God Almighty is biased. Because how could someone who sees everyone the same, equally, um, be willing to set one group of people free, but then also tell them it's okay to enslave other people for generations? That just doesn't compute. Verse 22, Then Joshua called for them, and he spoke to them, saying, Why have you deceived us, saying, We're very far from you when you dwell near us? So Joshua's called the people who got him to make the peace treaty with them. He's called them to him and he's asking them, why did you fool them? Verse 23. Now therefore you are cursed and none of you shall be freed from being slaves, woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. So um, they're saying, Joshua's saying for fooling them, um, their um, punishment is going to be that they are going to be enslaved while they're there and serve the religion that they um, have um, managed to dupe and as if it's their fault that they didn't approach god first before they agreed to the peace treaty and not only that um it's it, um so uh, well not only that he's saying he's going to keep the agreement he made with them and not do and do them no harm as far as kill them like they've been ordered to massacre all the people Um, in the areas that they approach. Um, Actually, they aren't ordered that. They were told to first approach all the people along the way and offer them conditions of peace. They're the ones that's supposed to be offering a peace treaty with the inhabitants of the land. Yet, you see, that's not what they're doing at all. Instead, the people who are in the inhabitants are seeking the peace treaty. So in a way, the people who they're approaching are being more faithful to the commandment that they were given rather than the congregation being faithful to it um, uh, but however you want to read it, he's agreed to their treaty and he's not he's saying he's not going to break it but he's going to make them slaves instead, and that's not very faithful, although it's faithful to the agreement to not do them to do them no harm so I guess that there's that verse twenty four so they answered Joshua and said. Because your servants were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you, therefore, we were very much afraid for our lives because of you and have done this thing. So the inhabitants, the people who came up with the peace treaty who duped them are saying that they were afraid for their lives. That's why they did it. They were just trying to save their necks. So they figured out a way to get the congregation to agree to a peace treaty makes sense um and again that's actually what the congregation is supposed to be doing when they encounter anyone so truly they should have been the ones going to meet them or at worst they should have be like oh well good you saved us the trouble we agree to use this peace treaty with you but they are and you see it is it's one more thing uh one more example of The elites ignoring the rules and regulations, the dogma that they're laying out for the congregation to follow. Verse 25, and now here we are in your hands. Do to us as it seems good and right to do to us. So they're completely submitting themselves to Joshua and the congregation saying, whatever you think is right, go ahead and do it. They're in their hands. Verse 26, so he did to them and delivered them out. The hand of the children of Israel so that they did not kill them. So Joshua is uh, going to be faithful to the treaty, the peace treaty he made with them, even though they fooled him in the making it. He's saying he's going to go ahead and keep his word and be loyal to the treaty that they made. Verse 27 In that day, Joshua made them woodcutters and water carriers for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord in the place which he would choose, even to this day. So they've agreed to the peace treaty and it's all on above board. Now they all understand, uh um, that they were, uh, how it all came to pass, but he's, they're going to stick with their agreement. And, um, but he's also going to make them slaves. And, um, one last thing about that verse is see how it ended. It says, even to this day, letting us know that, um, at the time this was documented was almost certainly at a later date it didn't happen when it's not being written as it happened otherwise it wouldn't need to say even to this day the fact that it says even to this day like we've noticed before means that at some point probably a scribe went over the events and when they were writing them down they noticed that some of the things that happened back then are still in effect at the point when they wrote them down could have been centuries later could have been um uh, decades later, could have been just years later whenever it was, it was obviously later because it says even to this day letting us know that the things that happened back then are still in effect to that point, meaning those people, the Gibeonites, the Hivites are still enslaved at the point when this book of Joshua at least um, the narrative of it is being documented for us um, um, before for the scripture's sake not necessarily at the time the Bible was compiled, that didn't happen until much, much later, but almost certainly at the time the the scripture of Joshua, the book of Joshua was um, um, compiled, the, those people were still enslaved at that point. That's the point of even to this day, letting us know the timeline of what's happened and how it's been documented. That's actually the last verse in this chapter, though, so that's where we'll end this reading. As always, I appreciate you joining me for The Naked Truth and hope it's a blessing for you and that you'll join me again. God bless you, I love you, and I'll see you next time. Peace be with you.